This is The Industry. A show built by the working class for the working class. If you have a job, this is the podcast for you. Here is your host, Levi Jett. Thanks so much for joining another episode of the Industry Podcast. My name is Levi Jett, your host. I am solo today as my uh, co-host extraordinaire, Daniel Chismar, is out on holiday, as they say. And also the guest lined up, Chris Kelly. Um, He actually just had... Um, another child, and so he is otherwise preoccupied. So we're going to try to get him on maybe next week or the week after, seeing how his schedule is. Um, it's going to be kind of a shorter episode. Uh, I really kind of went back and forth with whether to do an episode um, kind of over this holiday period, but I figured, what the hell, you know? Um, so the storm, uh, you know... <laughs> Last week, we talked about this major, major, major storm, and I guess it kind of depended on where you were as what kind of experience you had. Um, I know that me personally, you know, I was up in Chicago uh, checking on some sites, you know, making sure things were going the way they should, and then through Indiana as well. Um, not a lot of snow uh, in, in my experience with this storm. Earlier last week, they suggested maybe that Chicago area could see up to a foot of snow, you know, that was not even close. Uh, I think maybe three to four inches fell. Uh, Again, just kind of depending on where you were. And it was so hard to judge because of how much things were just blowing around. Um, I I was really in the city most of the time, and I didn't really get out of it until I was going back south into Indiana. And uh, once I hit 65, really started to see the winds come in. Um, being in Chicago, being in the city, had a lot of wind blocks, and it was kind of hard to see uh, what the wind was really doing until I got out of the area. Um, but still, you know, it's just uh, three or four inches in Chicago, maybe. You know, most of the places in Indiana uh, that I had to look after, you know, probably less than that. You know, maybe some a little more in spots. Um, but generally, you know, two to, I don't know, maybe five inches if you were lucky. Um, really for us, it was the wind and the temperatures, the, the, the freezing, absolutely mind boggling cold. We had trying to think, um, I mean, (laughs) we just built a new house that we moved into not long ago and the constant wind, um, that hit the house. I mean, you thought it was going to fall down. Uh, it was just, I mean, just hours and hours and hours. I mean, you know, a couple of days of just wind that just would not relent. And, uh, you know, just that in itself was something to see, uh, let alone the terrible temperatures that came along with it and the little bit of snow that made, uh, for some pretty hazardous, uh, conditions, uh, driving around. And, but, you know, if you were up in, uh, places in Michigan, um, places kind of downstream of the Great Lakes, 
Uh, the storm really got the lake effect snow machine going and, <clears throat> you know, dumped uh, feet of snow in some cases. And then once the storm kind of got out east, um, you know, then it really started to wreak havoc on places like upstate New York. And then, uh, you know, the, the mid south, um, had a lot of power outages from this storm. Uh, again, just enough snow, just enough, you know, tough conditions for places that don't really get it too often. Um, I always kind of joke if I've traveled a lot and I've seen a lot of different, uh, DOT, you know, responses to winter weather. And, you know, fortunately living in Indiana, um, Indiana Department of Transportation is awesome. Uh, they really are. Doesn't matter the storm. Doesn't matter the area of Indiana you live in. Uh, they are all over it all the time. State roads, U.S. highways, interstates, always um, pretty clear. They they do a really, really good job. But you get out, you get a little bit south of here, um, southwest. You start running into some states where, and, and to no fault, of them. It's just, you know, they don't, they don't have the resources. They don't have, um, the manpower to go along with it because it's not necessarily a priority. They just don't deal with it. Um, so fortunately for us, Indiana made off pretty good in that storm. And fortunately for a, a large chunk of the country, those that experienced, you know, those horrible temperatures, uh, we do have relief in sight. It looks like kind of the rest of this week will be warming up and around New Year's weekend we'll be, at least around here, experiencing some high temperatures in the 50s and almost 60. Uh, so that's going to feel like an absolute heat wave when that comes across. So really just kind of a, a hit and miss storm. Um, the wind and the temps, which... I told you about last week, you know, that was going to be something that, um, didn't matter about the snowfall totals, the wind and the temperatures were a certainty. And, uh, we definitely saw that and really, um, those storms you got to, you have to check on people, you know, you, um, you really have to get out and, and check on your neighbors, check on family members, um, you know, those are the storms that really can get people in a bad way really quick if you're not prepared. And so if you're able to, to check in on people, look after people, you need to do so in a storm like that. Uh, that's some very dangerous cold weather uh, you don't want to mess around with. And I'm sure we'll see some colder weather as we venture into this winter a little more. Um, but I, I don't know that we see the prolonged wind chills day after day uh, like we saw this past weekend and uh, late last week. So something awesome did happen, though, uh, for me personally during this storm. Um, had an awesome, awesome, awesome performance by my uh, service providers. They did fantastic um, from Wisconsin uh, down through Illinois down through Indiana, um, all the way to, you know, deep Southern Indiana, uh, everybody showed up, everybody came to work. They did a great job. Didn't hear excuses. Um, 
I did hear, you know, hey, we're salting. It's not working. Or, hey, you know, we're we've been out here for hours and we're fighting drifts. What do we do? I heard stuff like that, but it was asking a question, which then we, you know, kind of came to an agreement on the best course moving forward of how to provide the, you know, snow removal operations. Um, but I didn't hear excuses. I didn't, I mean, this storm, you could have written a complete book, probably a set of books on excuses that came from this storm. Um, I'm sure people had them in spades, uh, but my group of guys and gals, uh, they did not um, bring excuses to the table, uh, just results. And I couldn't be more proud of um, the work, the hustle, um, again, being out in those temps, working the storm like that, um, take special people to do that. And, you know, really excited about how that storm went, um, you know, for, for caliber service management in the Midwest. Um, really, really good, good outing, a, uh, a good response, and I hope that kind of continues uh, throughout the season, obviously. But really encouraging to see that from, you know, kind of the first big storm, the first big chance to kind of show off. And again, people, people, they showed up, they showed out. Um, so really awesome to see, um, which kind of leads me to a, a, a talking point today. And it's about trust, um, trusting your providers. And this is kind of a touchy subject for me because, you know, it's not always easy to trust the provider, especially when uh, maybe you're a management company, maybe you are kind of working in that middleman type of arena. And it's tough when you have a customer, you know, kind of coming down on you in a sense, um, Wanting results, wanting updates, constant updates, constant movement. Um, it's hard to tell them, hey, you need to trust that we have the right guy in place, that they're doing their job. Um, it's kind of a hard conversation to have sometimes. And, but then again, it's hard to, you know, kind of give that blind trust sometimes to, just a customer to provider relationship. You know, it's especially if maybe they're not going to say they're late, but maybe it's starting to snow and you expected them to already be there. Maybe you have a trigger that's an inch or two. And so they're not necessarily required to be there just yet, but you were hoping to see them there and they're not. It doesn't mean they're going to fail. I know that if you've been hurt once, <laughs> you know, you're, um, you're scared it's going to happen again. If the provider you had last year, you know, no showed on you and showed up hours and hours and hours late. Um, and then once they got on site, they did a half-assed job. That's tough. And it, it definitely, um, 
raises concerns for you before they even start to happen because you're automatically thinking the worst. But when you have the right provider in place, you have to trust what they're doing. You have to trust the process that they're working on. You have to trust that they're going to operate in the way that was agreed upon with the scope of work. You have to give them that chance. Uh, I've had positions before where, you know, it seemed like we had to hop on providers before they even had a chance to show us they were going to fail or succeed. And it's, it's a tough thing to, to have a conversation with a provider um, with that negative tone and insinuating they're failing when they haven't even had a chance yet to show up to work, to do anything. They've not even dropped a plow. And you're, you're going to sit there and say that, you know, they're failing or that, um, you know, we, we, we have to call and have that serious discussion with them. No, let them, let them go. Let them do their thing. Trust that the process is going to be there and it's going to work because it just comes down to this bottom line. If you're doing your job, meaning when you sourced this company, you asked them the right questions. You made sure they have the right equipment. You did a soft vet. You brought them on. They checked out with insurance. The website looks good. They say all the right things and ask all the right questions. Then you're able to arrange a meet and greet where then you're able to hard vet them and actually see the equipment and know that it exists and verify the condition. And then the next step is, do they do the preseason inspection? If they do that, it's another check. That's a good sign. Did they stake? Okay, great. They did that too. Now they've staged their equipment. And as an event approaches the area, I don't know what you guys do, but I like to send out a weather email um, to my providers a couple days ahead of a storm and usually 72 hours out and I'll do it again, 48 and then 24. Um, I, I don't feel that it's something that I have to do. It's just that <clears throat> I don't know where everyone's getting their weather information, but I know that, you know, I get mine from WeatherWorks and, <clears throat> you know, I want to share that information with the providers so that I know that at least they're getting the same weather update I am. But <clears throat> I send that email out and then between a, a mix of calling and texting, kind of whichever the guy prefers, um, reach out and make sure things, you know, everybody's ready to go. And if they're responding to the email if they answer my call or my text and say, yeah, we're ready. At that point, they've checked every box. Why would I not trust 
that they're going to go do the job. Why would I sit there and micromanage to the point where it, 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 it breaks their morale going into a storm? You know, guys don't want to have to sit there and play that phone tag, um, that constant go back and forth. You know, we as a, as management companies, as snow and ice management professionals, we have to be able to relay expectations and what good and proper snow and ice management looks like. Good snow and ice management isn't dropping everything and running to that site every time the customer raises their hand. You have to know the scope of work, the customer, because so often the, the scopes of work aren't written at the store level, you know, or the district level. They're written above that. So how often does that site manager or that site facilities manager or whoever you have to deal with, how often does that person know the scope of work front and back and upside down? Are they well versed in knowing, um, you know, what these triggers mean? Are they well versed in knowing what the de-icing requirement is? If pre-treats included, or if it's not, maybe you just have, maybe it's authorized that you have one de-icing per event. And then at that point, you have to choose whether it's more important to have a pre-treat de-ice or a post-treat de-ice. But the bottom line is, no one should know that scope of work better than you do. And you have to be an advocate for the provider to hold that customer to the scope. And you have to also hold the provider to the scope too. But it comes down to the bottom line of trusting the provider. And I got news. If you can't trust the provider, you got the wrong person in place. Period. If you can't trust the provider, then honest to God, you just need to move on. If you move on, you're going to save everyone time. I always say I'm not in the business of wasting time. I don't want to waste your time. I'd appreciate it if you don't waste my time. And if it comes down to that you can't trust the provider for whatever reason, it doesn't matter the reason. If you can't trust the provider, then you need to move on and find somebody else to work with. And, but once you get somebody that checks those boxes and that you feel comfortable with, you need to stand back and you get the hell out of their way and let them do their damn job. Period. You have to trust that they're going to do their job. Now, if they go and, and mess it up, muck it up, then yeah, you have every right to intervene and to start making those calls and to start having those conversations. But until that happens, 
you need to holster that cell phone and leave that person be, leave that company be, let them go out and do what they need to do. And this storm we just saw is a, the perfect example of, of that. You got guys that are out in negative 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, I mean, negative 70 degree wind chill temps in the Dakotas, in Montana. You got guys that are out in that performing snow removal operations. And to sit there and call them and call them and call them and text them and email them and text them and call them for these constant updates and this constant back and forth. Those guys don't need that. They're out there doing a job at negative 70 degrees. They're probably hating life, but they're doing a job and the trust has to be there. And this is a storm that, you know, if if people showed up in this storm and did the right thing, man, there's a lot of trust earned by that display on the flip. If they, if they failed, if they wavered, then you know what you got. Hopefully more mild storms, they perform better. But, uh, Katie Raymond has an awesome line about providers. And it goes something like this. I'm sure I'm going to butcher it. But she says that a bad provider isn't going to suddenly become a good provider because you assign them an out-of-scope opportunity. And I think the same is true with a provider that performs poorly in a big storm isn't necessarily going to perform better for a more mild event. You know, at at the end of the day, trash is trash. And you just have to recognize that. So again, guys, this week's going to be a very short episode um, going to check in with Weatherworks here momentarily. Uh, they've got to look ahead for the weather uh, coming up this week, which again is going to be kind of a mild week. Um, I think there's some weather out west, uh, out on the west coast, uh, but aside from that, going to be a pretty quiet week. Uh, not trying to steal their thunder, um, but going to be a nice week to kind of relax and. Um, you know, really, this is a week that you need to review what just happened. A lot of places, this was the first plowable event. Um, hell, a lot of places, this may have been the first de-icing too, especially when you get maybe um, I-70 south, uh, not just across Indiana, but really across the Midwest. Um, this is probably the first time, I'm almost positive it is, that they had to de-ice. So... A lot of folks out there should be um, really looking at 
how things went, uh, what needs to improve. You know, maybe you need to make some little tweaks in your plans. Uh, maybe, you know, almost everything went exactly the way that it should have. Um, but there were a couple little outlying things that need to get tightened up before we head into another event. The good thing about this time of year, at least in Indiana, is that December isn't guaranteeingly a cold month. Um, meaning that we still have a lot of temperature swings. So we're seeing it this week. You're getting kind of a break to where you're going to have time to do some equipment maintenance. You're going to have time to, uh, you know, rehash some plans and, you know, maybe make some adjustments where it's needed to get ready for that next storm. Um, but don't get fooled by this week. Don't, this week's a hard week for me and always has been that week in between Christmas and New Year's. Um, always feels like a vacation week, even though it's not, um, you know, you're stuck right in between two big holidays and, you know, everybody's families wanting to see everybody and everyone's wanting to do stuff. Um, but you know, don't get fooled by that. Don't get, um, pulled away by that stuff. Um, use this time to the best of, you know, best you can, um, to get ready for the next event. Cause you, I mean, I'm looking at temps in the first week of January, still being in the fifties around here, but you know, that's not going to last, uh, very long at all. We'll be right back into snow mode, um, before we know it. So here in just a second, I'll be handing it off to Weatherworks. Um, but I'm also going to, um, end this episode uh, now and sign off. So we'll be back next week. Please continue to support the show. Uh, we do have a lot of exciting things coming down the line. Uh, Dan and I are working on a few new developments uh, for this show and for some extra stuff that'll be coming down the line. And we'll let you know about that as soon as we have a little bit more to share. Um, but yeah, please um, like, subscribe, share, uh, tell a friend. Um, we really appreciate all the support we're getting. So until next time, I will see you guys later. And here is Weatherworks. Thanks, Levi. I'm Mike Mahalik, Senior Meteorologist at Weatherworks Consulting Meteorologists and host of the Weather Lounge podcast. Today is Monday, December 26th. Well, last week was certainly active with a large storm blasting through the Great Lakes. While this brought mostly heavy rain to the East Coast, measurable snowfall fell from northern Arkansas into Michigan. In fact, areas downwind of Lake Michigan saw over a foot of snow with significant blowing and drifting from wind gusts of 50 miles an hour or more. Meanwhile, winds also were strong on the east coast into New England with numerous power outages, and the heavy rain also caused poor drainage flooding along with coastal flooding. As the storm pushed into Canada, a strong Arctic front raced east, dropping temperatures 30 to 40 degrees last Friday. Temperatures dipped to 20 below zero in places across the upper plains with single digits to below zero readings even pushing into the Ohio Valley and interior northeast.
This Arctic air also reinvigorated the lake effect off of Lakes Erie and Ontario with over three feet of snow falling in Buffalo, New York in only 48 hours. After a very cold holiday weekend behind the storm, a clipper system is beginning the week with snow extending from the upper plains into the Ohio Valley. This storm will continue to weaken as it pushes south and east with nothing more than just some flurries maybe a few snow showers for the interior northeast. Meanwhile, things quiet down for the east coast after this clipper and turn milder the rest of the week, but the west will be a bit more stormy with coastal rain and snow for the Sierra Nevada and Cascade Range into the interior Rockies during the middle of the week. Snow threats will skirt the northern tier of the country into Maine with rain arriving for the New Year's weekend for most places east of the Mississippi. That's the week in weather. Levi, back to you. Thanks for listening to The Industry, a show built by the working class for the working class. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review.